Last week, we got to start our church, and I think everybody who came and joined us for our launch, it was an amazing experience. I'll be honest with you, the day after our launch, I woke up and I take Mondays off, and I was out of it. I didn't shower, didn't comb my hair. I think I brushed my teeth, because I am a man of God. Uh, no, you're good, Kenny. <laughs> you do that, and I might not be able to preach. <laughs> oh, no, but I remember Monday came around, and I was so tired, and, and those of you who know Collide, we predominantly just done conferences and events, and so when we came about around to, uh, after this first launch service, Monday came around, I was tired, got off, went to sleep. By Tuesday, I was refreshed, but it hit me, we gotta do this again next week. <laughs> like, we gotta do this every week. And, and here's what's settling in my heart, that I love this because what we're trying to build is not necessarily a church, we're trying to build a culture, a presence-driven family. With that said, we're starting a new series today uh, called The Presence-Driven Life. Now, this series is about four or five week series where we're going to go over the move of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how to discern decisions by the Spirit of God. We're going to just talk all areas of the Spirit, how to have increase the Spirit, how to make Him central in our lives. Uh, but this morning, we're going to start off the series with a little bit more teaching heavy. Now, I'm more of a preacher, more of an inspirer, but this morning I had to dip back into some of my theological uh, uh, classes. I didn't take too many Bible classes, but I took enough. Uh, to be legit, all right? So um, I had to go back and look back in my Bible class courses and uh, get some of this theology because really what I'm going to be teaching today, uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a real, we're going to put it up on the screen right where you are, so don't worry about it, a real theological word, pneumatology. It's not about numbers, it's actually about the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, pneuma. Uh, pneuma uh, and so we're going to study pneumatology today, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, that's a whole seminary course that takes weeks and weeks to get through. But what I want to do this morning is actually just lay a foundation so that we kind of have a basis to work with as we go forth in the rest of the teaching. And so uh, don't worry. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today. I'm going to give you a lot of um, kind of wordy stuff around theology. Uh, but I'm, my goal is to hopefully try to make it as simple as possible. I, because there are a lot of stuff you might want to follow along in the notes, all you got to do is text the words, collide notes, one word, collide notes, to the number 94,000. Again, collide notes to 94,000. Now, y'all got to give me a little grace because I'm getting used to this broadcasting thing and doing church online and all that kind of stuff. I cannot wait till we get back in person. Now, one of the beautiful things is that we do have a small group of people here with us uh, this morning who worship with us every week, but I cannot wait till we're all able to gather together. Um, turn with me to Mark, the first chapter. Hopefully you got a little bit more strength for the word after that worship. I, I don't know about you, but I got worn out. That took all of me. It was the Holy Ghost. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. We're going to read a bunch of scriptures, uh, but I, I kind of wanted to make this the main scripture for today. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and here's what it says. <clears throat> At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Verse 10, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 11, our last verse. And a voice from heaven, you are my son who I love. With you, I am well pleased. I want to talk on the person of the Holy Spirit. Y'all forgive me not having shoes. That's just how we do it around here. Get comfortable. Um, Please don't do any close-ups of my feet because since COVID, there's been no pedicure. So judge, judge yourself. <laughs> I 
You know, I was raised Pentecostal, and I'll kind of tell you what that means in case you're not familiar with that terminology. Uh, but we were raised around the things of the Holy Spirit. But traditionally, we didn't have a really full biblical understanding of what the Holy Spirit was. We just kind of labeled him that kind of crazy Uncle Eddie that showed up with the father and the son. And he just did like weird stuff. And if there was anything that was weird that happened in church, we just said, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, we didn't have a real biblical or correct understanding. Then when I got a little bit older, got in ministry, I got around a lot of theological friends, Calvinists, Armenian, Reformed, Unreformed, Regenerate, Degenerate, all of them, right? <laughs> um, and, and then I found out that there were actually people who believed that the acts of the Holy Spirit had actually stopped and were no longer for today, which is weird to me because if the Holy Spirit is not doing any more miracles, nobody else can get saved. Come here, come here. The, the salvation is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. Now, if you believe that, I just need you to say amen in the chat. All right. Salvation is the greatest miracle that happens by way of the Holy Spirit, which I'll show you in Scripture in just a bit. But I say this because we have to start off understanding the, that the Holy Spirit comes, yes, to do divine things, but he is a person. He is the part of the Godhead, the Trinity. But what I found out in growing up and getting older was that there were actually a lot of people who didn't believe that God moved in power, signs, wonders, and demonstrations anymore. And that there seemed to be this thing where like the Bible and scriptures were almost antithetical to the Holy Spirit. And so I remember one time I was preaching at a retreat and I just got so livid. I got really angry because the theme of the retreat, this was in Berkeley, California, the theme of the retreat was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Because we've actually deified the scriptures and the word of God and we've forsaken and we've treated the Holy Spirit like a lesser person. Before I dive into this, this is the statement I want to make. A lot of Pentecostals, we assume that the Holy Spirit begins to move in Acts chapter 2. But I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit shows up in the Old Testament. But here's what I want to say. When the Holy Spirit comes in the book of Acts, the second chapter, here's what you read. There first came a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Then there came, they saw tongues like fire. Then the tongues sat on them. This is the Holy Spirit. Then they begin to speak with new tongues. Catch what, catch what that's saying. They first heard something that sounded like a rushing wind. Then they saw tongues of fire. Then they begin to speak with new tongues. What am I trying to point out? When you have the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to hear something that you've never heard before. Then you'll begin to see things that you've never saw before. Then you'll begin to speak things that you've never spoken before. Now, the reason the church has become redundant, and if you can go to this live stream and go to that live stream, and it seems like they're almost all the same because none of us are depending on the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're preaching the same things that have always been preached. We're doing the same kind of church that's always been done because it is the Holy Spirit that innovates the body of Christ. But if you're not dependent on a move of the Spirit, you're going to do the old and you'll make the move of God a museum instead of a movement. So I say that because if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we become stale. We're not empowered for the work of the ministry. All right, let's dive in here. You ready to take some good notes? Again, if you need notes, just text Collide Notes to 94,000. First question we want to ask is who is the Holy Spirit? Three things that the Holy Spirit is. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Number three, the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. Now, don't worry, we're going to bring to that, but let me repeat it for you. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Number two, 
the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And number three, the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and Son. What is the Holy Spirit not? Three things that the Holy Spirit's not. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not the ghost of Jesus. I'll explain what I mean by that in a bit. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Now, now we'll use the, the, the um, I don't know what you call this in, uh, in, in English grammar or whatever, uh, articles, definite, indefinite articles, right? So we'll use the Holy Spirit um, and I think that kind of tends to lean us to believe that the Holy Spirit is in it. But in, in a minute, we're going to prove from the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is not to be addressed as an it. He's not a force. He's not a, a kind of thing that's just floating in the air. He's actually a person with personality. And we're going to see that demonstrated in scripture. So three things that the Holy Spirit is not. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not the ghost of Jesus. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Number three, the Holy Spirit is not a force. Let's deal with the Holy Spirit being a person. Are you ready for this, y'all? Yeah. Yeah, all right, y'all hanging, hanging in with me. Acts, the 13th chapter, the second verse. Here's what it reads. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, why am I pointing out this verse? Here's the point I want to prove. The Holy Spirit is a person. We see, and, and if you're taking, if you're following the notes that are online, I'm actually going to have more scripture references on there that I'm actually going to teach uh, out loud just for time's sake. What am I trying to demonstrate in Acts the 13th chapter? Look at it again. Here's what it says. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, because we're dealing with the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me. That word me is, is what helps us to understand that he's personified, right? And then look at that next verse right after that, or, or the following part of the sentence. Uh, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit is actually making calls, right? That lets us now it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person and not a force, so we understand how to treat the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times we've been raised to believe that the Holy Spirit is just this kind of undealt with, unfelt kind of presence, force kind of thing. And there is some of that too. I mean, we're going to deal with that in weeks to come, but we have to see the Holy Spirit as actually a person. I think we can see that very well in Jesus, and we can even see that in the Father, but we struggle to see the Holy Spirit as a person. I think part of that is due to there just being a lack of solid teaching from the pulpit. On top of that, we actually don't have much that tells us about the person of the Holy Spirit, and here's why. Because the scripture says that the Holy Spirit would not speak of itself, that it would actually speak and testify of Jesus. That this, the job of the Holy Spirit is not actually to speak of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes, we'll, and that's important because sometimes we'll be in Pentecostal services and we'll glorify the work and move of the Holy Spirit. But the purpose behind the move and the work of the Holy Spirit is actually to glorify Jesus and to accomplish the work of the gospel. Right? The Holy Spirit is not trying to make much of himself. So you're not actually going to find a lot in Scripture. You're going to find enough to know who the Spirit is. But I think we're not going to find as much tangible teaching on the Holy Spirit in Scripture like we would with Jesus and the Father, just because the job of the Holy Spirit is to talk about Jesus, not himself. All right? The next point is, not only is the Holy Spirit a person, he is the third, or excuse me, he is, let me deal with that point first. He is actually co-equal to the Father and to the Son. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. 
Because what I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is not the ghost of Jesus. Now, obviously, the Spirit of God is the presence of Jesus. And we'll, we'll talk about language because that really does matter. But I, I just want us to see that the Spirit of God is a separate... Uh, i got to watch my language because we're, we're on TV, and I know y'all like to hear what I'm not saying. Um, the, the Holy Spirit has its own role. That's what I want to say. Good stuff. The Holy Spirit has its own role, and we're going to see that demonstrated. But look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see the Bible affirming the three persons of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And he's co-equal with the Father and Son, that he's placed on the same level. That there's not, and I think it's hard for us to, to really fully understand and wrap our minds around the Trinity because there's actually no perfect example in the earth to help us fully understand the Trinity. The Trinity is actually a supernatural thing that I don't believe that we'll fully understand until eternity. Like, how do you wrap your mind around the fact that he's three persons in one God? And I'm, I'll dive a little bit more into that because I've wrapped my head around it to some extent. But still, I think our, our earthly minds can't fully wrap our minds around the fullness of who God is, right? But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, what we see is that the Holy Spirit is placed on equal footing as the Father and the, and, and the Son. That as we baptize, we're not just baptizing in the name of Jesus. We're not just baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son. We're actually baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Y'all still with me? Yeah, I know I'm teaching, but y'all hang with me. Holy Spirit is not just a person. The Holy Spirit is not just co-equal with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is God. Hear, hear me when I say that. The Holy Spirit is God. I think this is why it breaks my heart when we're dismissive of the Holy Spirit. It's like a, a lot of modern Christians think we need the gospel. We need Jesus. I guess we need the Father. The Holy Spirit, we leave that to the assemblies of God or to the Pentecostal denominations, right? And I think we dismiss them because we've not actually acknowledged in our heart that the Holy Spirit is actually fully God, lacking no part of Godness. He is 100% God. We've come to understand that in our Christology. We say that he's 100%, say that Jesus is 100% man and that he's 100% God, but I don't think we fully really grasp the idea that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Say this with me. Say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is God. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. I don't know, Zach, if you can pop that up on the screen up there, if it's, or if I need to pull it up on my phone. I'll start pulling it up on my phone. Acts chapter 5. Verse 3 and 4. And I'm reading from the ESV. But Peter said, <clears throat> but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Verse 4. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Listen to this. You have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. 
So he says that you've lied to the Holy Spirit, and then he confirms that he has lied to God. Here we have in this, in this portion of Scripture that the, 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 the book of Acts is confirming that the Holy Spirit is God. So you have Ananias and Sapphira, just to kind of give you a little bit more contextual understanding. You have the New Testament church that's just begun. And you know we talk about tithes and 10% and all that kind of stuff. But actually in the New Testament, what was happening was that the church was coming together, and they were saying that none of it belongs to me. You can have more than the 10%. All of it belongs. But it was by choice, right? And so Ananias and Sapphira could have given free, uh, freely out of what they had, and they could have been a blessing. But instead of being a blessing, they were being deceptive, and they lied, and they declared that we were giving everything when in reality they weren't giving everything. Now, they thought they were lying to Paul and to the early church leaders, but what the Scripture tells us is that you were lying to the Holy Spirit, who is God. So when we make an offense and we grieve the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about grieving and honoring the Holy Spirit in a few weeks, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we're not grieving this inanimate force that's just hanging around the church. We're actually grieving the heart of God. If you believe that, say yes. All right, I'm in the right house. I want to talk about a few attributes because when we talk about the Holy Spirit being God, here's the question I want to ask. What makes God, God? How do we identify him as God? What are the traits and the attributes that he has in comparison to anything that might claim to be God? Now, I'm not going to list them all, but if you've got the notes, I'm going to list a bunch of more on the notes that I'm actually going to speak out loud right here. But let me just hit a few. Number one, the Holy Spirit is eternal. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19. Or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Here's what it says. How much more shall the blood of Christ who the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So right here we hear that the spirit is eternal, letting us know that he carries the attribute of God of being eternal. The next one I want to point out is being omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Now, this word is just made up of two things, the word omni and present. You know what present is? Omni means just everywhere. That it, uh, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at all times. God is the only one who can claim to do that. Like, this is why the devil can hang out with Jesus at the top of a mount, mountain during the temptation, but he couldn't be anywhere else. But God is able to be uh, everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent, right? Look at verse, Psalms 139, verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? There's no escape from the presence of God. You might not be able to feel him, taste him, or touch him, but he's everywhere at all times. And the scripture is referencing his omnipresence to confirm that the Holy Spirit is God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 10 and 11. The next attribute I want to talk about is the omniscience of God. Now, the omnipresence of God means that he's everywhere at all times. When we say that he's omniscient, what we're saying is that he, he knows all things. God has never been surprised. I think a lot of times we even pray to the Lord as if he's Jehovah's surprise. He, he, you've never caught the Lord off guard. That's why I find it foolish when we present ourselves to the Lord so kind of timid, like he doesn't already know what we're about to pray, right? Like he is, om, he is omniscient. He knows everything all the time. You'll never surprise him. But you don't just see that attribute in the Father and the Son. You're going to see that attribute in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse, 1 Corinthians chapter, 10, uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. He even searches the heart and mind of God. For, uh, 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So it says here, not only does the Spirit of God know all things, but He's even able to, to search the depths and know all things about God. He, he searches the depths of God, right? So here we see in that verse the display of His omniscience. Give me two more. Let's do holiness, holiness, that God is holy. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with the power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, let me just pause and just beat a couple of you up for just a second. It's very obvious that the Holy Spirit is uh, distinctively known as the Holy Spirit. We're going to deal with a couple in a few weeks, the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. But one of those are lifestyles of sin. Many of us are not familiar and acquainted with the Holy Spirit. We don't walk in discernment simply because of the lifestyle of sin that we walk in. That the, the Holy Spirit is not just marked by his omniscience. He's also marked by his holiness. See, we want to be like the Holy Spirit. We want to ask for the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see that unless the Holy Spirit empowers us, we actually cannot be holy. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to be holy. Let's look at this last one. Love. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. When I do my notes, I'm getting old. I'm going to have to start making the font way bigger. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I hope you all are learning, catching something here. I want to set this foundation because over the next few weeks, I'm going to really preach it hard. But we're going to go into the ways of the Spirit. But I think we need a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in the heart by who? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the Holy Spirit also carries the attribute of God that he is love and that he's pouring out love on us. All right. Let me quickly move to two, two phrases I want you to, to, to catch with me. The indwelling spirit of God versus the empowering spirit of God. Now, what do we what do I mean when we say this? The Holy Spirit does not change. He stays the same. But we all know this, that the Holy Spirit may stay the same, but he'll change his methods. What we do see is an obvious difference of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament than the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Here's the slight difference we see. In the, whole, in the Old Testament or under the Old Covenant, we don't see the indwelling Spirit of God. We don't see that the Spirit of God is dwelling in the hearts and in the lives of men. What we would see is the empowering Spirit of God, where the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant would come on a man, come on a woman. You see this, he'd come on a judge, he'd come on Samson or Gideon, and they'd be able to supernaturally do incredible feats because in the Old Testament, there was an empowering of the Holy Spirit. We had to wait till Jesus came. And I'm, I'm trying not to get happy. I'm trying to stay a teacher because I'm more of a preacher. But when I start talking about the gospel and what Jesus has done, watch this. Because even in the work of salvation with Jesus on the cross, the Spirit's working. He's working through it all. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't even be regenerated. Watch this. Jesus dies and that sacrifice creates and makes a way for us to be saved. In the book of Revelations, and I'm thinking about it off the top of my head, which is a horrible thing because now I can't quote exactly where it is, but trust me, it's in the Bible. I don't know it, but Google does. It says in Revelations that the Lord is knocking on the doors of the hearts of men, 
and that if you open up and, and to his knocking, that he'll enter in. Now, my whole life, every time I've heard that text preached, it was always to unbelievers. It was always in an evangelistic crusade that the Lord is just knocking on the door of your heart and he's waiting to enter in. Actually, that scripture in Revelations is not talking to unbelievers. He's actually talking to the church. That I'm knocking on the doors of the hearts of the church, waiting to be let in. The old covenant didn't have that opportunity. So David prays this prayer, Lord, I'm getting happy, but Lord, take not your spirit away from me. And this is a prayer that is illegal to pray in the New Testament. Because the spirit is no longer on us, he's now living in us. I'm sorry, okay, I'm, let, let me wait till the end before I really bring it. Watch this. What's the difference between the two, or how do we define the difference? When we talk about the empowering presence of God, because I believe that still works today. I still believe that there is the empowering spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit can come on a person uh, and, and they can begin to prophesy. I've seen that happen even in our church, in our ministry. There are people who don't carry a prophetic anointing, couldn't prophesy themselves out of a wet paper bag. They come to collide, start calling social security numbers, addresses, email, words of knowledge. What happened? There was a spirit that came on them to then empower them for a particular work for the Lord. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. So, so I still believe we get the empowering spirit of God. But what we get in the new covenant that they didn't get in the old covenant is the indwelling presence of God. The Holy Spirit comes on us so that we can display his power. Then why does he come in us? I believe the Holy Spirit comes in us for the conviction of sin. He comes in us to set us astray. Actually, let me just dive in here and, and just tell you what, what he does. Really quick, and I've got 20 minutes to wrap this up. We're going to make it real good. If y'all still with me in the chats, give me a, a fist pump, you know. Give me a black one, too. <laughs> now, I want to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But my list is very, it's, it's small in comparison to what you could do in your own studies, even in my own notes. I'm saying that so that you don't think that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is limited to just what I'm telling you today. Do your own work. Study. You're going to see that there's more to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I've added a few more on the notes for you. All right. Number one, we see that the Holy Spirit is engaged and involved in creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And you're going to hear this scripture, this verse, throughout the next four to five weeks as we do this series, because this is the word that the Lord's given us for this season. Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, we're going to see the ministry of creation. Look at verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. The earth was, with, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. What am I trying to point out there? That before creation starts getting created, that there's utter darkness, there's, there's calamity, there's void, but there's also the Spirit. Now, let me switch over and put on my little prophetic preach for a second. The reason that that needs to mean so much, and, and I'm pausing, we're going to get back to the theology in a second. But the reason why that needs to mean so much in this season is because we are in a season of formlessness. We're in a season where if you try to put things together, COVID in about two weeks is going to tear it apart. You can't plan for the future. And the, the way that you surrender the anxiety is that you allow the Spirit of the Lord to hover. See, we as believers can feel safe in our hearts in the midst of calamity 
as long as the Spirit of God is hovering. And so you might look at your life, you might look at your business, you might say, I don't have the business plan together, I don't have you know, the, the, the proposal to get into school together, and everything's just a mess and I'm trying to get it together. Here's what you need to focus on. Not the mess, but the Spirit. That the Spirit actually has, and I'm going to say this prophetically, creative power. It's the Spirit of God that starts putting things together. If it was not for the Spirit of God, there would be no Collide City Church. I don't know how to plant a church. Okay, y'all think I'm, I'm trying to be humble? Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our executive team standing up here with me. They'll tell you, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I hear our staff saying amen now. <laughs> Why am I pointing that out? The thing that makes me comfortable is that the spirit is hovering. That it is formless, it is scary, I am uncomfortable, and at moments, insecure. But the one thing I am grateful for is that the Spirit of God is hovering. Yeah. All right, let me not stay too long there because I felt my preaching tone start rising up. All right, let's continue. The ministry of divine revelation. So you know that heavy revy that you're always getting? Well, that's not just because you have a great Bible education. The Spirit of God actually has to reveal divinely what the Word of God is trying to say to you. It is the weirdest thing. You can't read the Word of God without the Spirit of God. This is why you can have people, and if you don't believe me, there's seminaries right here in the Bay Area. You have seminary teachers who are teaching the Word antithetical to the actual gospel because they don't have the Spirit. They have a book. It's the Spirit of God that highlights revelation and brings light to us. This is why, like, many of us are talking to our friends about stuff, and, and we've been in the Spirit and, and been spending time with the Lord, and we start reading the Word, and we're like, man, that's deep. Ooh, that's good. And we, we, we share it with Sister Cantaloupe and Brother Watermelon, and they're looking like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. What's the difference? You were reading it with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that divinely uh, creates revelation. It's not our own coming up or our own thinking. This is where we get into false doctrine. We allow our flesh to interpret the Word, instead of allowing the Spirit to interpret the Word. Let me race through this. You can look on the notes for the Scripture references for those. Uh, the inspiration of Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is, uh, is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's telling us that we can trust the Word of God, we can trust the inspiration of Scripture because it was inspired by the Spirit of God. Do you know that the Spirit of God was even engaged and involved a part of the conception of Christ? Watch Luke chapter 1, verses 30, 30 to 31, and then verses 34 to 35. Here's what it reads. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have uh, found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth uh, a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I do not know a man. I feel you, Mary. I'm out here single, ready to mingle. Pray in the spirit. Then verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. The spirit of God was even engaged in the conception of Christ. 
The Spirit of God was engaged in the Spirit, or the Spirit of God was engaged in the ministry of Christ, the death, the burial, resurrection. So how is it that we don't reference, acknowledge, and depend on the Holy Spirit? I, I get confused if you can preach about Jesus every Sunday and you never preach on the Holy Spirit. It, it's confusing to me, but I think it's because we've not properly deified the place of the Holy Spirit, that He is God. That he's, he's, He didn't just show up in the book of Acts. He was there in the Gospel. And what the Spirit of God did, part of the ministry of, of the Spirit of God, is that He actually creates regeneration. He makes us a believer. It's the Spirit of God. Now, Jesus, with His death, provides a way. But the Holy Spirit is the one who supernaturally creates regeneration within the hearts of men. Why is this important? Like, why, why does any of this even matter? Jesus has this interesting conversation with the disciples, and let me close my iPad because I know I'm not going to be able to finish all my notes, but I'm going to give you enough to go home with. The, Jesus has this interesting conversation that I wasn't able to fully understand until I was able to take a class on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, and you remember what he says. He says, it's important that I leave because if I don't leave, the spirit of truth won't come. I've got to go so that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can come. And my question is why? Like, why? Come on, Jesus. I'm that friend, just so you know. I'm the friend that you have to kick out. <laughs> like, I just like to hang. Like, don't leave. I have abandonment issues. Please don't leave me. <sighs> I'm working through it. But my question in sincerity is why do you need to leave, Jesus? Why can't the Spirit of God come? Here's what Jesus does. Jesus, after dies, he rents the veil. So the veil is torn. But not only is the veil in the temple torn, the veil in our souls is torn. And what the Spirit of God now does is makes a way so that Jesus can leave his earthly ministry because now Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, is going to be deposited within us. And so he can go to heaven because now look at all the Jesuses we have around here. Now, before you accuse me of, of starting a cult, just... Wait a second. Hear the context of what I'm saying. I'm not saying we should walk around and say, I'm God. Please don't. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is the earthly ministry of Jesus ended when he ascended. But the ministry of Jesus didn't end when he ascended. Did you hear what I said? I said the ministry of Jesus, his earthly ministry ended when he ascended. But the ministry of Jesus did not end. How does the ministry of Jesus continue? Now this spirit, which raised Jesus from the dead, now quickens our mortal body. The spirit of God that was on Jesus, because remember, when he starts his ministry, his inauguration message is that the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news. He's letting us know the spirit is the one who's making the work and the ministry happen. But now Jesus' earthly ministry is to go. Well, guess what? He's the firstborn of many. He, he's, he's, uh, for those of you who, who were at our church school, I talk about Jesus being in the tithe of heaven, that he is the first that releases the blessing and removes the curse off of the rest of us who come after. That because Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit now made a way for Jesus to now abide and live and walk in our hearts. So what we're doing when we ask for the Holy Spirit is we're actually asking for the ministry of Jesus. See, you thought you were asking for the Holy Spirit so that you could prophesy more. You thought you wanted more of the Holy Spirit so you could have the jitters, you just need the shakes. And I'm gonna do a whole, we're doing a whole thing on worship uh, titled Bring Me a Harp, and I'm gonna talk about how many of us actually don't like worship. Uh, we, 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 we like music. 
We're, we're like Saul. The Bible says Saul had these demons, and so he hired a worship leader named David because every time David would play, his demons would soothe. And see, we like that part of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come just to calm our demons. He does deliver us. He does clean us, purify us, convict us. But the, the, the major role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not so you can speak in tongues, though that'll happen. The major role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not so you can prophesy, but so that that will, but that will happen. The major and primary role of the Holy Spirit is to continue the work of Jesus on the earth through the believer. See, many of you are saying, like the disciples said, they had a conversation with Jesus and said, Jesus, we're going out and you're sending us like sheep amongst wolves. What do we say? And here's what Jesus tells them. He says, when you go out there, just open your mouth because the Spirit of God will fill your mouth and teach you what to say. If you are at a place where you don't know how to minister, it's because you've not gotten to know the Holy Spirit. How, how, I talked about this last week. How can a woman in John chapter 4 go from one thing to the next? One minute she's a woman of ill repute. At the end of the chapter, she's an evangelist. Only the Spirit of God. Pastor Dell, but you don't understand. I can't minister. I can't be an evangelist because I've got all these issues. That's why you need the Spirit of God. You can't stop sinning unless the Spirit of God empowers you. This is why I'm trying to bring us to a place, even as a community, as a church, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. I know I wasn't preachy. I wanted to lay a lot of teaching foundation because I think what we've done is that we've settled for the indwelling presence of God, and, and we want that. Hear me. If we don't have the indwelling presence of God, we become a victim of John 3.17. John 3.17 says, the Lord didn't come to the earth to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. But I think when we don't have the spirit of the Lord, we're open to condemnation. So we, we, we want the indwelling of the presence of God. We want the spirit of God to live in us and to check us. Man, you know, we were leading to opening up our church. And um, if you know me, you know I don't really move in patience. That's not my strong gift. And um, nothing I hate more than customer service that is subpar. But the thing is, I'm a pastor, y'all. So I can't cuss people out no more. I mean, I can, I have the ability, like I have the literal ability, but I want to go to heaven. And I just remember my, my boy Andrew was with me and he was with me at the thing and he knows me super well. So he knows the self-control that I'm, I'm practicing and that self-control still isn't working. You, you ever have God um, talk to you when you get home? You thought you was having a good day. You thought everything was good. And then you get home and the Lord begins to talk to you. And I begin to talk to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm getting better with my anger issues. I'm getting better with my temper. I'm getting better with all this stuff. But Lord, I still didn't have a good day today. I just about cussed somebody out while I was opening up a church business account. I spoke in tongues that she did not need interpretation for. Don't worry, I repented, apologized, sent flowers. I love you, Janet, in case you're watching. <laughs> but I sat there and I said, Lord, I need to get this together. I need to get my attitude together. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. Are you that prideful? that egotistical I said no Lord I'm trying I'm trying to be humble <laughs> make me more like you I want to be more like you he said yeah yeah yeah. but you think you have the tenacity to do it you think you have the willpower to change yourself 
And this is what many of us do. Lord, I just need to stop looking at porn. Stop looking at porn. I'm gonna stop looking at porn. And none of your willpower will ever be good enough because if you, if it required your willpower to perform it, it's like your righteousness is like filthy rags. This is why it says we're not the righteousness of ourselves. We're not self-righteous. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All around this gospel thing, it's all about the Spirit of the Lord doing it. So even as I'm praying, Lord, make me like you, in my head and in my heart, what I'm really thinking is I need more willpower. I need to, you know, learn how to bite my tongue. I need to learn how to, no, what I need to be praying is, Lord, let your Spirit come and rejuvenate me. Come and regenerate me. Come and make me like you. How does that happen? Here's the main way I think that we need to interact with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk later on this month about what it looks like to dishonor the Spirit and how that will cause a lessening of the Spirit of God in our lives. But here's how I believe we increase the Spirit of God. One of the ways that we increase it. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord, He shall renew their strength. I'm finding that God can do a whole lot more in my life when I'm sitting doing nothing than when I'm busy trying to strive. And that's what we've been doing. I, I'm with you, I'm guilty. I've been striving to be more like Christ. I've been trying to force it to happen. I've been trying to walk saved. And some of you have even beaten yourselves up, walked away from the Lord because you thought, I'm just never gonna have enough willpower. And here's what God is bringing you online today for you to hear. It's not by your power, not by your mind, not by your strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You don't need another life coach. You don't need more willpower. You need the spirit of the Lord to encounter you. You need to learn how to just sit and wait. I had some folks kind of text me last week, just kind of being funny and said, you know, worship was 45 minutes. That was so long. Why you guys go so long? And I wanted to be real sincere with them. I said, because we're trying to learn that waiting in his presence kind of like marinates us. It, it, it allows him to get inside of us because all of a sudden we start battling through these thoughts of condemnation, of self-worth, of whatever it is that distracts us and we stop. And at some point within that 45 minutes, and for me it usually takes about 25 minutes, you start centering your heart, you start centering your focus on him. And then what happens? As I start gazing at him, as I start looking at him, I start becoming more like him. This is why David prayed, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt the Lord together. You can't make God bigger. One of his major attributes is that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But what you can do is enlarge your perspective. What you can do is change the lenses that you've been seeing God. Many of you, this was your first time today real hearing a, any kind of teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more I could give. I'm, I'm telling you, I got loads of notes. But if you don't catch anything else, I need you to hear this. The Holy Spirit is in you so that you can become more like Jesus. But the Holy Spirit wants to come on you today so that you can win others to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, those who are watching, I pray a conviction of God would begin to set in their hearts. God, there are many who are watching. Some of you have watched and you've, dis, you've literally disregarded the Holy Spirit. You've not acknowledged Him, even in your focus of devotion. You've studied about Jesus. You've studied God the Father, but you've not spent time with Jesus. For this next month or two, I want you to start preparing your heart to get ready to become reacquainted with the Holy Spirit. See, one of the things that God wants to do, even during this COVID time, He's pulling you back because you've been saying, I don't have time. I don't have space. And COVID's like, how about now, boo? We got time? COVID's like, oh, we still, we still saying we don't have time? Because God wants to spend time with you. 
Now we're gonna talk about when the Spirit comes and how He manifests and how it becomes tangible and what that looks like. But a lot of times I believe the Holy Spirit comes just because He wants to be with us. So here's how I wanna end the message this morning. If you're watching online at thecollide.com slash live with the church online platform, we've got some prayer warriors and some intercessors who wanna pray with you about anything. I don't care what your prayer need. Maybe you want more of the Holy Spirit, but maybe you've got a crisis in your family. You need a healing, you need a deliverance. I don't care what it is. We've got folks on that church online platform right now who are waiting to pray with you. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, all you gotta do is go to thecline.com slash live, click church online platform right there. We've got some of our leaders and pastors and, and, and the intercessors who are waiting to pray with you. I don't care what it is, you can receive prayer. But there are many of you who need, desire, want more of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and receive that prayer this morning. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have the worship team sing one more song for us as we end our service tonight or this morning, but I don't want you to go anywhere. Please don't, don't leave, don't click out. I want you to tune in. For those of you who are not receiving prayer, even in this room, I want to teach us how to wait on the Holy Spirit. So as we sing this song, there are gonna be times where you can sing on and you can, you can join with the worship team, but then there's gonna come parts where the worship team just plays music and they just allow it to go. You know what that time is? That's your freestyle. That's where you just go and sing your own song. You say, what does that look like? How do I sing my own song? Instead of praying out a prayer, I want you to just sing it out. So instead of saying, Lord, I thank you, you just say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you. It doesn't have to sound pretty. It doesn't have to feel good. Like you, what we're doing is we're singing a new song to the Lord. This is what the Lord tells us to do. And I know it's going to feel weird at first, but as you start practicing more and more, you're going to become acquainted with the Holy Spirit. So as we prepare our hearts, I'm going to pray for us. The worship team's going to lead us in prayer, and I just want you to go for God right where you are. Don't leave until the end of the service, because I want you to start now practicing lingering in His presence. So God, even to this morning, God, as we're in our cars, maybe listening at the gym, God, I pray and let your Holy Spirit descend in this very moment. God, as we sing this last song of worship and we set our heart, our mind on you, God, I pray that you would come and encounter in a greater way. God, those who have, who have felt frightened or fear, I pray that your spirit would come and begin to break away all the fear, that it would put a new boldness in us, that we would be like those in the book of Acts who saw something new, who spoke something new, who, 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 who began to touch and feel and hear something new. God, we worship you. Come on, let's sing this together. And I want you to wait on the Holy Spirit. Lead us, guys. Oh
executive team, and I want them just to close our service out tonight, or this morning, rather, and I want them to share whatever the Lord has on their heart, and I'm having them specifically, because even during our time of worship, the Spirit of the Lord was just on them so heavily, as far as direction is concerned, the Lord was really anointing them to really lead, and so I want them I'm not going to touch the mic anymore. I just want them to share whatever the Lord has on their heart. See, what we're learning is how to mess things up. When I talked last week that we're going to be unorganized, I meant it. We're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to receive and take in what the Lord's going to use them to say. So let's just see what God does. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In a moment, I'm going to ask Mrs. Mack to uh, uh, land this plane and, and, and end this in prayer. But I just want to say this. Pastor Dale just gave us an appetizer. He just gave us an appetizer. And so we have homework. We got homework, people. That appetizer is for us to chew on this. Now, I don't mean to gross you out, but cows, when they eat, they chew on, on, on cud. And they chew it, and they chew it and they chew it and then they will swallow it and then when they're not done with it they will regurgitate it back up and chew it and chew it and chew it this appetizer that you just received this week chew on it because there's more coming there's more coming we just got the appetizer we haven't even gotten to the main entree yet okay we haven't even gotten to the dessert yet all right so so our homework and, and for those of you out there who know us, the Max, we always will assign homework. And so our homework is to chew on this appetizer of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bring illumination, bring revelation, bring inspiration that we chew and we chew and we chew. We may swallow it for a time, but Holy Spirit, bring it back up because the oil has not left the olive completely. There's more to chew on. There's more, there's more, there's more in Jesus' name. Father God, we come right now thanking you for this word about your Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And even as we are preparing to close out this time, Father God, I pray right now that we don't wait until the next time to come together to invite the person of the Holy Spirit to reside in homes. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us this morning, but I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would take control. Fill up homes, fill up cars, fill up the spaces in the people that have heard the word, for when the word is heard, there is accountability to take it
Holy Spirit, take authority. Have your way. Press through every place that's been pushing against for your powers great and have your way. Bless every home that's represented. Have your way. No matter whether you're here or another country, have your way. For God's not limited to one nation. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We don't say that enough. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God bless you. Wherever you are this morning, God bless you. Continue to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill your space day after day as you chew on this word that we would be comfortable with the moving of the Holy Spirit, not just on Sunday, not just so we can have a moment, so we can live in the place of moving with the Spirit of the Lord, for the water is fine. God bless you. God bless you.